Our first question will go to the incumbent. How would you bring jobs back to the 14th district? That's a great question, Carl. Thank you for asking it. It's the first thing I think of when I wake up in the morning, and it's the last thing I think of when I go to bed. Jobs in North Carolina mean what? A strong North Carolina, and a strong North Carolina means a strong America, and that, my friends, is how we're gonna do it. This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I opened up with that clip from the movie The Campaign. You know, uh, how are you going to bring jobs to North Carolina? Well, you know, it's the first thing I think of and the last when I get up in the morning, and it's the last thing I think of when I go to bed, and that's how we're going to do it. You know what? Uh, we're going to we've been seeing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, debates going on the last weekend. Of course, we have the Fetterman Oz one coming up on Tuesday, and you're seeing uh, Joe Biden and and Pete Buttigieg and Kamala Harris and and uh, Nancy Pelosi get on TV and just dribble nonsense out of their mouth. Uh, and it's you know we're two week two weeks from Tuesday is the is the midterms our chance to uh, to partially turn things around at least get rid of the Democrats in uh, Congress and Senate, and they can try to stop what uh, the the broccoli, the broccoli sprig in the White House is doing and hopefully turn this thing around. And uh, that song was uh, Twisted Sister. We're not going to take it. Uh, hopefully that's the hopefully that's the uh, message that we send on uh, Tuesday, the 8th of November uh, to uh, to uh, the state, the state of California and the United States of America and all the other states. That we're not going to take it. We're tired of this Democrat leadership, and uh, we want our country back. Um, you know what? I, and and I'm going to talk about everything that's going on this week because it's getting it's getting crazier and crazier. Um, and uh, before I do, I want to introduce myself. My name's Ed Hoffman, and I've been saying I was uh, with with a previous mortgage company, Planet Home Lending, but Planet Home Lending shut down all their branches in California. So right now I'm in transition and the new company, my license hasn't officially transferred. So I'm waiting for it to transfer on NMLS. And then I can, then I can actually say the name of the company. But if you need help with mortgage or financing, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net and, uh, or call me at 855-640-2020, 855-640-2020. Um, also on edhoffman.net, if you want to hear any part of the show, uh, repeated, uh, go on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows. And if you have comments on the show, uh, go to, uh, send me an email to edit at Hoffman.net. Uh, next week I will update on it, but you know, the mortgage, the mortgage industry is it's in a dive right now because of the volume, um, because the volume of, uh, people that aren't 
financing. There's a lot of people. I mean, we're going into a uh, we're in a we're in a uh, we're in a huge downturn. We're in a huge downturn because nobody's refinancing because it doesn't make sense to refinance when the interest rates are high and uh, people are are slowing down on buying. They're going, hey, the sellers are so greedy. Is this a good time? And uh, and it's getting to be a fairly decent time to to buy. And it'll probably only get better. Um, if you've read my book, I have a, a whole chapter on market cycles and uh, the market cycles. We're in a we're in a seller's market too, and we're fat. There we're quickly transitioning into a buyer's market one, but we're not quite there yet. Um, but it's a uh, but things are good. The new company has excellent rates, and uh, I'll be able to give you all the information. I just can't advertise about it yet. So uh, until the till the NMLS changes over, and uh, but Ed at EdHoffman.net is how you get in touch with me, and um, all is good, all is good. Things are things are uh, things are looking up. It was just kind of a weird thing when they shut shut everything down and go. Hey, we saw the writing on the wall. I already had my hook in the water, and uh, but when they did, they said, "Okay, we're shutting your office down." Okay, where are you transferring us to? We're not. Because they were trans, because they were closing all the other offices in California, and I'm licensed all over the country, so I'm not sure why they wouldn't do that. But um, it's uh, it's a uh, it's a uh, sign of things to come. Somehow, our uh, maybe our maybe our our economy isn't as strong as hell as like Biden says. But you know what, my economy is, so all is good. So let's talk about what's going on in this country. It's been eleven exactly eleven months. Joe Biden ordered the release of 50 million barrels of oil from our Strategic Petroleum Reserve, the SPR. That withdrawal sent the nation's reserve to its lowest level since 1984. But the administration said it, it was a necessary bridge until domestic production could be increased. Till domestic production could be increased? I didn't think they gave a crap about domestic production. They want to shut down the domestic production. Remember Biden's first day in office? Shut down the XL pipeline. Shut down all uh, oil oil drilling leases in the country on federal lands. Shut down everything that has to do with fossil fuels. And now they're saying, hey, we're going to release our, our barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve until domestic production can be increased. Hmm. Do you, can you say talking out both sides of his mouth? Uh, it's kind of been the story of uh, the broccoli sprig uh, for since January 20th of 2021. Then in March, Biden authorized the release of another 180 million barrels, largest release in history. Fast forward to July. That's when we found out that this oil wasn't even for us. It was being sold and shipped to foreign governments. Really? Wait, we have our strategic petroleum reserve for the United States to protect us if something goes down and we have a shortage of oil to to bridge the gap from no oil production to oil production. So, hey, for this short period of time that something might be disrupted, we have the strategic petroleum reserve. Uh, but now uh, Biden takes out 50 million barrels and then he pulls out another 180 million barrels. And he's selling to other governments. Throughout the summer, Biden sold 145 million barrels to Italy, Netherlands, India. Oh, and uh, our number one, our number one enemy economically, China. Hmm. I wonder what the problem is here. Maybe we should have listened to Tony Bobolinsky when we uh, when he told us that Biden was in in bed with the with the Chinese people. 
you know, with Hunter and his brother James and all that stuff. The stuff that Facebook squelched off the uh off Facebook and Twitter Twitter took off of Twitter. And uh these guys are not in jail yet. Um on in September, the administration announced the sale of 10 million more barrels. Then on October 5th, they announced the sale of another 10 million barrels, which brings us to this week when we learned that the final 15 million barrels from the, from the 180 million will be sold off in December. That puts our strategic petroleum reserve at 400 million barrels. So from the White House on Wednesday, Biden announced a plan to replenish what he sold by buying it back when it falls to a lower price. Yeah, when it does. Yeah, that's the ticket. I'm going to buy I'm going to buy all the houses I sold this past year as soon as they drop down to a lower price about 100 grand each. And will they ever get there? I don't know, but I'm hoping if they do get there, I'm going to buy them. Claiming this will lower gas prices and encourage oil companies to increase production. Today, I'm announcing a plan to refill the Strategic Petroleum Oil Reserve in the years ahead at a profit for taxpayers. The United States government is going to purchase oil to refill the Strategic Petroleum Reserve when prices fall to $70 a barrel. That means oil companies can invest to ramp up production now. With confidence, they'll be able to sell their oil to us at that price in the future, $70. And refilling the reserve at $70 a barrel is a good price for companies. By selling from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve at the higher price of $90 earlier this year and then refilling it in the future at a lower price, around $70, will actually make money for the taxpayers, lower the price of gas, and help bolster production. So my message to all companies is this. You're sitting on record profits, and you're and we're giving you more certainty so you can act now to increase oil production now. Wow. Wow, that's that's a uh, that's some pretty hard uh, hard logic to follow. So, if the price of oil right now, and I think it's he says ninety dollars, I think it's ninety eight dollars a barrel. If the price of oil is ninety eight dollars a barrel, why wouldn't oil companies increase production now rather than rather than uh, wait for? the certainty that we're going to buy them back at $70 a barrel in the future when they get there. And here's a question. Does anybody remember when uh price of oil was $24 a barrel? Oh yeah. That was during Trump's term. And uh, remember Trump wanted to buy, buy uh, barrels of oil to re to replenish the strategic petroleum reserve at $24 a barrel. Hey, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy all these gazillions of barrels of, of, uh, of petroleum of oil to put in our strategic petroleum reserves at $24 a barrel. We've driven the price of oil down so far. So far, I'm going to buy a whole bunch of them and put them in our strategic petroleum reserves. And, of course, the Democrats stopped it because they said it was a bailout for the, for the oil companies. Hey, 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 he's just trying to send money over to the oil companies. Schumer, Pelosi, they all made a big, they all made a big, big uh, uh, ruckus over it. Looking for words I can say on the... Uh, on the air. Um, they made a big ruckus over it. Why isn't anybody saying anything about that now? Why aren't the Democrats? Oh, wait, we have the sl the smallest amount of uh, of oil oil in our strategic petroleum reserves since 1984. Isn't that a bad thing that we're not prepared if something happens? And what did we do with all that? We didn't we didn't use it to uh, 
to to save the country. We use it to send to other countries. I don't know. This logic doesn't make sense to me. As expected, Biden's announcement turned into finger pointing at the oil companies, at the same companies that took a major hit during COVID because we were all stuck in our houses. So people stopped buying gas. And if you remember, um, some of the companies lost like five and a half billion dollars that year. And then they're gearing up to pay massive taxes after the Inflation Reduction Act, which is going to do uh, makes a 15 percent minimum minimum tax. On all companies, and uh, according to uh, Reuters, um, they said that oil companies, oil and gas companies, are going to get hit harder than any country, any companies out there. And uh, so, with that, now they're now he's now he's asking them to uh, to take another hit. Here's Biden. I'm calling the oil companies to pass the savings on to consumers. Consider this: in the second quarter of this year. Profits at six of the largest producers, publicly traded oil companies, were more than $70 billion. That's $70 billion in just one quarter, 90 days, $70 billion. So far, American oil companies are using that windfall, the windfall of profits, to buy back their own stock, passing that money on to their shareholders, not to consumers. In fact, in the first half of the year, those same companies spent $20 billion buying back their own stock, the, the most significant buyback in the last almost a decade. That's great if you own a lot of stock in an oil company or if you're an executive, but it's not the case for the vast majority of Americans and paying at the pump. Well, you know what? On top of, on top of the 15% minimum tax, the Inflation Reduction Act, also puts a uh, 1% excise tax on companies buying their own stock. So you can just tax the hell out of everybody and then blame them for for your lot in life. And he's, your lot in life. And then uh, he talks about they made $70 billion of profit in one quarter. You know, that's a big number. But does anybody know if that's a lot for oil companies? I mean, there's lots of shareholders. There's lots of other things going on. And they've got lots of cost. And we have... We have years years where they lost money. Does anybody really have in context if that's if that's significant? Seventy billion seems like a lot, but that's a big company, and uh, and you know that's how the free market capitalism works. And of course, uh, and he wants to uh, he wants to make sure that the larger green agendas is taken care of, like you know windmills and solar farms, windmills and solar farms. So uh, you know what. We've all driven down down the 10 freeway through uh, Palm Springs area and seen all those windmills that, you know, the wind's blowing, but they're not turning. And, you know, he's talking about solar farms and solar farms. You know, you think about I have 107 panels in my on my property in in uh, in Moreno Valley, 107 panels. And it gets rid of my electric bill completely. I don't get a bill. I get a bill and it says, you know, it. it my my energy use is about nine dollars a month, and that's what the Edison charges for using the grid. So, hundred and seven panels—that's a lot of panels. And there's two of us here, so think about that. You go down the three ninety-five, and you see that big solar farm, and you go up the fifteen towards Las Vegas, you see that big solar farm. How much land are we going to take up to power the whole country? We're not going to have any room for farms. 
at least with oil, you know, you take up a, the size of a, of a football field and all the drills are down under the ground and you could still farm on top of the land. You could still have animals living on top of the land. You could still have houses. You could still have that. We're not using up our land to do that. Solar farms and, uh, and wind and windmills. And of course, he also tied this announcement into the administration's larger green agenda by saying Congress should make it easier for clean ed- energy products to get off the ground. Our country needs to pass permitting reform to accelerate the development of clean energy. Right now, the process of getting clean energy projects approved is too cumbersome and too time-consuming. So I'm asking the Congress pass a permitting bill to speed up the approval of all kinds of energy production, from wind to solar to clean hydrogen. Because we need to get this moving now, quickly, now. It would take, you know, this, if we do this, it would take historic clean energy investments that I signed in the law and put them into action. Otherwise, if we don't do this, it'll take the clean energy uh, progress that he that he signed into law. It'll just take that cash and flush it down the toilet and it'll never do anything. Of course, it's probably not going to do anything even if he does. If we do this. Really, what will this do? Won't do anything. Initially, it was supposed to take six months for the release of all 180 million barrels, but the Democrats are on the line within in uh, two weeks from Tuesday, and they only have they only have that much time, and it calls for drastic measures. So when Biden's speech was over, reporters asked him about the timing of this announcement. Appreciate Mr. It. President, Mr. President, what is your response? I don't hear. Can you speak louder? <laughs> who say you are only doing this SPR release to help Democrats in the midterms. Where have they been the last four months? That's my response. Is it politically motivated, sir? This no, it's not. Three weeks before the midterms. Look, it makes sense. I've been doing this for how long now? It's not politically motivated at all. It's motivated to make sure that I continue to push on what I've been pushing on. And that is making sure there's enough oil that's being pumped by the companies so that we have the ability to be able to produce enough gas that we need here at home, oil we need here at home. And at the same time, keep moving in the direction of providing for alternative energy. Yeah, that's, uh, again, talking out of both sides of his mouth. You know, where have they been for the last four months? The last four months, you've been doing this running up to the midterms. So why is all the timing of this oil reserve announcement so suspicious? Because it's the 11th hour before the midterm elections, and there's evidence that the Democrats have buyer's remorse when it comes to what they campaigned on. The party went in all in on abortion this election cycle, spending an estimated $124 million in television advertising referencing abortion rights including $18 million to air more than 100 abortion-centered TV ads in the regions of four dozen battleground seats. That's three times more than what they spent on abortion ads in the last midterm election. Then over the weekend, Joe Biden started making this promise at campaign events. If you care about the right to choose, then you got to vote. That's why in these midterm elections are so critical to elect more Democratic senators to the United States Senate and more Democrats to keep control of the House of Representatives. And folks, if we do that, here's the promise I make to you and the American people. The first bill that I will send to the Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade. And when Congress passes it, I'll sign it in January, 50 years after Roe was first decided the law of the land. 
And together we'll restore the right to choose for every woman in every state in America. So vote. You got to get out the vote. We can do this if we vote. Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, uh, 50 year anniversary is January 22nd. Um, will be the 50 year anniversary of Roe, Roe v. Wade. And I think, uh, you know, I think there, I think there are more people that are more, more concerned about putting gas in their car to get to work and being able to, to buy groceries so they can eat than worrying about abortions. But this week, a New York Times Siena College poll shows that almost half likely voters, 49%, say they plan to vote for Republicans, vote to vote Republicans to represent them. And the reason for that is a familiar one from the New York Times story on the poll. With inflation unrelenting and stock market steadily on the decline, the share of likely voters who said economic concerns were the most important issues facing Americans has leaped since July to 44% from 36%, far far higher than any other issue. And voters most concerned with the economy favored Republicans overwhelmingly by more than a two-to-one margin. So now Democrats are realizing they should have taken their own campaign advice from uh, James Carville, the raging Cajun, back in 1992. It's the economy, stupid. Yeah, it's the economy, stupid. It's not abortion, and it's not green, and it's not uh, save the world. It's the economy. Make sure people can can live. The Times story goes on to say that the biggest shift is women who vote independent. In September, independent women favored Democrats by 14 points. Now they back Republicans by 18 points. A striking swing, 32-point swing, given how intensely Democrats have focused on that group. And on the threat of Republic- that Republicans uh, posed to abortion rights, the survey showed that the economy reigned f- remained far more potent political issue in 2022 than abortion. The article goes on to quote a 37-year-old woman who's a mortgage loan originator in, Del- in Delaware, and I like her already, and an independent voter who's planning to vote Republican this election. I'm shifting more towards Republican because I feel they're more geared towards business, said Robin Ackerman. She said she disagreed 1,000% with the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade, but that doesn't really have a lot to do with my decision. I'm more worried about other things, and she's not alone. Just buying food, you know, it takes over like a quarter or third of my income. We make decent money, but... It doesn't make a difference. It's uh, ridiculous to go in the store and you can't buy meat. You go in and you just, like I came out with two small bags and paid over $100. I just retired and I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen with my pension. I don't think that the administration gets what the average person um, has to deal with. We live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, I don't think they, I don't think they get it either. And remember when they talk about the people, hey, I just retired. You know, uh, the youngest baby boomer is 59, 59 years old now. So that's a big group of people uh, that are all ready to retire. And uh, if you want more information on that, read my book, Experience Matters. Here's mine. Get it on edhoffman.net or anywhere where books are sold, audio or uh, or regular book. So in the White House press briefing on Monday, Karine Jean-Pierre was asked if it's fair to say that abortion is now a bigger priority to the president than the economy. So is it fair to say that, that abortion rights currently is the president's top legislative priority? In the by saying, by laying out what he is going to do uh, next year with the 50, 50th anniversary, uh, and laying out that he's going to, his first piece of legislation will be on codifying Roe, is just showing his commitment uh, to where majority of Americans are. What is President Biden's top domestic priority now? Is it inflation or is it abortion? The president's going to continue to talk about issues that matter to the American people. And 
Abortion is one of them. When it comes to the economy, the president has made it very, very clear. When it comes to inflation, it is the, his number one economic priority. And he is doing everything that he can to make sure that we lower prices and for the American people. It's his number one economic priority. We've heard the president say inflation is his top domestic priority. But now he's saying come next year, his first bill would be abortion related. So is his number one domestic priority abortion or is it inflation? Well, let's not forget what the president has done the last 19 months. He has made the economy his top priority. He has passed the American Rescue Plan that helped us get back on our feet with the economy. Yeah, all evidence to the contrary, lady. Yeah, yeah, I know you're just reading your notes, but all evidence to the contrary. Hey, I'm all out of time for the first half of the main event. Stay tuned for five minutes of weather, traffic, commercials, and sports, and I'll be right back with lots more. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name's Ed Hoffman with your dose of uh, common sense here. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, the, I'm, the great, I'm the greatest loan originating uh, financial guy that you can talk to to talk English and, and give you some advice. I can't tell you what company I'm with yet because it's not on NMLS yet. And, you know, those government regulations tell me what I'm allowed to say and what I'm allowed not to. But, you know, if you want some information, send me, uh, send me an email to edit at Hoffman.net. I'll give you the I'll give you the new contact information by next week and uh, or go to 855-640-2020. Call me at 855-640-2020. And while you're on and if you go to edhoffman.net, don't forget to pick up my book. If you haven't read it yet, Experience Matters, here's mine. Uh, And you can get it on uh, regular page turning stuff or it's on audio book as of about a month ago, month and a half ago. And uh, it's uh, getting good reviews. So anyway, um, let's talk about, as we were starting to talk about the economy versus abortion, you know, uh, inflation isn't real. And even if it was, Biden's handling it just fine. That's the message coming from the administration this week. As they continue to deny the reality of the economy and embrace the lie that abortion is the number one issue to, for midterm voters. We're going to find out two weeks from Tuesday. Stacey Abrams, who's once again running for governor of Georgia and running way behind, uh, has the answer. Just combine the two issues. Here she is blaming inflation on children and encouraging low-income women to get abortions so their worries about the economy will be over. Let's be clear. Having children is why you're worried about your price for gas. It's why you're concerned about how much food costs. For women, this is not a reductive issue. You can't divorce being forced to carry an unwanted pregnancy from the economic realities of having a child. Really? Really, this this reminds me of my dad. With all, oh, let me let me say, it reminds me of my mom. And if you've read my book, you heard the story that uh, how my my dad was an EA instead of a CPA. And uh, whenever we didn't have enough money, my mom kind of blamed it on my older sister and my brother um, because they were born. So clearly, they were the the first two kids delivered by Stork. Uh, had nothing to do with my mom and dad that uh, they got pregnant. Um, but they didn't have abortions. They had they had the kids, but that prevented that prevented my dad from going to school to finish up his CPA. So uh, that was that was his excuse for not for not uh, succeeding the rest of his life. So uh, hopefully the if you read my book, it's the theme of my book is, hey, you know what? 
learn from other people's experience, learn from this stuff, and basically understand that life is hard for everybody. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. Doesn't matter what your what your education is. It doesn't matter uh, where you come from. Doesn't matter anything. It all it, you know. Life is hard for everybody. God God makes us pay the price for what we get. Um, and apparently, uh, the Democrats want to blame everything on on the Democrats. So if you're having problems, it's because abortions uh, are not as easily had as they used to be. And she is disgusting. If there's one image that represents the Biden presidency. It's the one we saw earlier this week. The president of the United States comment, commenting on our dismal economy while blissfully slurping on an ice cream cone like a small child. It happened at Baskin Robbins in Oregon while campaigning there over the weekend. Biden was asked if he was concerned about the strength of the dollar, which has been historically high during the times of financial duress. Are you concerned about the strength of the dollar right now? I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Can you explain that? Yes. Our economy is strong as hell. Inflation is worldwide. It's worse off everywhere else than it is in the United States. Yeah, so uh, the sound wasn't very good on uh, on TV when they showed that video. They they had uh, they had subtitles, which made it easier. But he says, I'm not concerned about the strength of the dollar. I'm concerned about the rest of the world. Does that make sense? Well, the reason that the strength of the dollar is so high is because we're raising interest rates, which we should have been doing uh, a year and a half ago as inflation started to get bad. Um, they should have started raising interest rates slowly. But now that the the Fed finally uh, woke up out of the ether, stopped listening to Janet Yellen saying, oh, I think it's uh, I don't think we're going to have recession. I don't think inflation. I think it's transitory. And, uh, you know, we have we have young kids that don't know Jack what they're talking about. And we have old people that uh, that don't remember what they're talking about. And that's who's running our country. So it's transitory. We don't have to do anything about it. Then when it got uh, controlled and the Fed steps in and goes, eh, we better start raising rates like crazy. And we'll see another rate hike on the 2nd of November, uh, pushing all your credit card rates up and all your uh, all your HELOCs up, all your uh, you'll you'll see. You'll see uh, pain from all this stuff, um, and that's to slow down the economy. So as we as we're raising our rates, the value of the dollar is going up against all the dollars over the, across the world. Well, what is that? That's good for us. It's not good for the rest of the world. But Biden says, "I'm concerned about the rest of the world." Why? And the reporter says, "Can you explain that?" He goes, "Yes. Um, our economy is strong as hell. Inflation is worldwide. It's worse everywhere." else than it is in the United States. So does that mean it's okay? Hey, everybody in the country's starving. So if you can't eat, you know, hey, it's uh, you know, hey, you better you better finish all your food because the kids in China are starving. Like my like my grandma used to say, hey, you know what? Why does it matter what's happening across the country? You're the president of the United States. We don't care about that. Um gas is up, the price of everything is up. Um Wages are are not up. You know, we raised the minimum wage. They raised the minimum wages up, uh, thinking that was going to help people. But then the water level just levels out. It just comes. Hey, you know what? The cost to all the employers went up because we raised the minimum wage from like seven dollars to fifteen dollars over the course of three or four years, and 
So the water level rose, the price of everything. Hamburgers got more expensive. Milk got more expensive. Everything got more expensive. So it just leveled out. So, hey, I'm, I'm making more money, but how come I'm not getting ahead? Because that's how the market works, people. That's how the economy works. Um, and now people are cutting back in spending, which is essentially what inflation is. The inflation goes up, and now people start cutting back in, on spending, and then everything starts receding, and they start uh, pulling back on spending. The economy starts slowing. That's what a recession is. That's what a recession is. So uh, Ronna McDaniel uh, commented on Biden's on Biden's uh, comment. She said, Biden called the economy strong as hell. According to a recent CNN poll, 78% of Americans say the economy is poor. Why is that? Because they see what's happening. Hey, the economy's poor. And you hear that uh, that Jared uh, that Jared guy, the uh, Jared Bernstein, the uh, economist for the White House, that gets on TV and just blabbers BS out there. Hey, you know, you can't have recession when the economy is so good and the unemployment rate is so low. Let me play this clip from the movie 25th Hour from 20 years ago. What's the big deal with the employment number anyway when it's at Feeland? Whatever. Look, more jobs means fewer people looking for work. It means it's harder to find good people to fill those jobs. It means you got to raise wages to get them. means inflation goes up. You got it? Yeah. No, I didn't think so. Yeah, so hey, so what he said was more jobs mean fewer people trying to find work. What do we have now? We have less people working for work, and we got a ton of jobs out there. There's 3 million jobs open. There's only uh, 800,000 people looking for them. Uh, so it's harder to, harder to find good people, which means you have to pay more to get those people. To get the good people, you have to pay more. Wages go up, makes inflation go up. Now let me play it one more time. What's the big deal with the employment number anyway when it's at Feeland? Whatever. Look, more jobs means fewer people looking for work. It means it's harder to find good people to fill those jobs. It means you got to raise wages to get them. It means inflation goes up. You got it? Yeah. No, I didn't think so. Yep. So these are these are the little clips in movies that they play really fast. They don't make them a big they don't make a big deal out of these scenes because most people don't care about that because they're really not immersed in that. But you're living it now, folks. You're living it. You're seeing it. You're seeing it go on. So when you hear hear Biden say how how our economy is strong as hell, but you hear about your friends getting laid off. You're hearing about these these stores shutting down. They're shutting down because of the crime. They're shutting down because of this. They're shutting down because of that. That's a bad thing for the economy when companies are shutting down. Stores are closing their doors. Uh, you know the the mortgage the mortgage companies are laying off and closing. The now it's starting to hit real estate companies. And it, and when everything that happens in real estate affects everybody, because when real estate's not moving. Roofers aren't putting uh, roofs on houses, and carpet people aren't putting carpets, and framers aren't aren't uh, aren't working because they'll keep building them. But if people aren't buying them, the builders will slow that down, and it, and it hasn't started yet, but it's about to. And when those people aren't making money, they stop going to restaurants, and they stop buying TVs, and they stop buying everything else. This is the this is how the free market economy works. And Biden shut it. Uh, in shutting down the oil production made every, the price of everything go up, and now it's all coming around. Cause and effect. Problem is, we have people that don't know what the hell they're doing uh, running the country, and we have people that are stupid enough to vote for them because all they care about is give me some free money. So while campaigning in Oregon and California, Biden tried to inspire voters with a new argument on inflation 
It's not time to do anything yet. And when it is time, Republicans will make it worse. It actually comes time to do something about inflation. It actually comes time to do something about inflation. Republicans in Congress are saying no. Republicans in Congress said no. If Republicans take control, the prices are going to go up, as will inflation. Inflation is going to go up, not down. Really? Do you think the voters agree with that? I don't think so. I think they're saying, hey, Trump, Trump may not have been my favorite person, but things were a lot better two years ago. Gas prices were cheaper. I was making more money. Everything was everything was everything was a lot more a uh, lot more fun in this country. Everything seemed to be a lot more uh, together and a lot more calm. And people were doing so much better. And uh, so we heard the president's stance on inflation. How about the Speaker of the House, our eighty-three-year-old? Uh, I don't even know what she. I don't even know what to call her. But why she's why she's still in office? Don't you want to retire someday, lady? What is it about? Oh, maybe your husband doesn't like you. Maybe that's why you don't want to go home. But anyway, here she is on uh, MSNBC with Andrea Mitchell. Let's talk about rising inflation concerns along with crime, giving momentum, new momentum to Republicans after the Democrats were closing the gap. I think that much of what you've said, I don't agree with. That is okay. to say, the New York Times poll, I think, is an outlier poll. What we have been through with the legislation under the leadership of President Biden, who has done a spectacular job. He's had a better two years than most uh, presidents that you can name, certainly in the recent generations. Yeah, certainly it was within recent generations. I mean, he's done a spectacular job. I just don't think the voters believe that. And I won't speak for California voters because California voters are the stupidest voters in the whole country, maybe in the whole world, because they don't because, you know, they care more about the Dodgers uh, and the and the Angels and uh, the Rams and whoever else out there. They care more about that. And you know what? People talk to me about sporting events. I like to go to sporting events. I don't do it very often, but I like it because I like to eat hot dogs and drink adult beverages. Okay. But I don't care who wins because it doesn't change my life. I'm more concerned with things that affect my life. So, uh, so of course, she doesn't agree with it because it doesn't fit their narrative. And she's not going to be the Speaker of the House in another couple of months uh, after the vote in two weeks. Biden is so accomplished. Must be the talking point that went out on the Democrat phone tree this week. You know that uh, little conference call they have every week and say today's today's thing is uh, is uh, Russian collusion. So everybody's talking about Russian collusion. Then this week it's this week it's uh, impeachment, and this week it's that whatever it is. So it must have been uh, Biden is so accomplished because we heard it from all over the place. Uh, here's a cabinet member, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, taking it way over the top. There have been so many accomplishments, right? The CHIPS Act that's bringing manufacturing back to the United States, uh, the PACT Act getting veterans the benefits they deserve, of course, the infrastructure bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. On top of that American Rescue Plan, uh, you know, in some ways, having achieved so much legislatively makes it uh, hard to talk about it all at once because there are just so many accomplishments. Yeah, there's just so many accomplishments. There's so much legislation. You've gotten so much legislation which basically doesn't mean anything. It just means we spent a lot of money and pushed the country farther and farther into debt. Hasn't accomplished anything. Reminds me of this scene from the movie, The American President. Congratulations. It's only taken you three years to put together crime prevention legislation that has no hope of preventing crime. Sid, please. I don't want to lose you over this. Mr. President, you got bigger problems than losing me. 
You just lost my vote. You know, let's play that once again. But this time, when she says crime legislation, talk about economic legislation and say, hey, this you just put together economic legislation. Play it one more time and just plug that plug that word in there. Congratulations. It's only taken you three years to put together crime prevention legislation that has no hope of preventing crime. Sid, please. I don't want to lose you over this. Mr. President, you got bigger problems than losing me. You just lost my vote. Yeah, I think that's how a lot of Democrats feel right now. Hey, you guys, you whole party, you just lost my vote. And let's make sure, let's make sure that we don't sit on our, sit on our laurels and let two weeks from Tuesday come and say, well, we're going to win anyway. I don't need, they don't need my vote. All our votes need to go in. And if you want to know how I'm voting on the propositions, I'm voting no on everything. Vote no on everything. I don't care about gambling and I don't care about the, I don't care about any of that stuff. It's all, I even thought about voting yes on the one, the one thing that says about uh, bringing art programs into the schools. And I say, you know what, the schools could, could use those things. And I started thinking about it. You know what, these are just propositions to give more money to the teachers union so they can just waste it. And, you know, instead of, instead of letting them spend more of our tax money, put your kids in private schools, charter schools, and push for legislation that gives you vouchers so the tax money can go to charter schools and then then it's free market education you know you put your you put your tax money to the to the to the uh, schools that teach your kids right and if they don't you pull them out and they lose money that's called free market education so uh then then uh, let's talk about uh uh Buttigieg. He's he's burying Kamala Harris as the number one most uh, requested surrogate on the campaign trail for Democrat candidates in the midterms behind Biden, which I don't really understand. So, uh, you know, who wants Biden to campaign with him? Listen to this clip. John Fetterman's going to appear with you today yeah. in Pennsylvania, but there haven't been that many candidates campaigning with you. Why That's are more? That's not true. There's been 15. Count. Get count. Okay. And uh, are there going to be even more? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 15. There's uh, 435 uh, Democrats running for Congress. There's probably uh, uh, 40 senators running for Senate, and there's uh, a whole bunch of governors running for for uh, for governor for the governorships of 50 states. And there's uh, they're not all of them running up for reelection this time. And uh, and you know, hey, 15 people want Biden to to, uh, to campaign with him. You would think the uh, the number one person would be Obama, but maybe and you're not seeing Obama out there that much. And maybe in, and of course uh, saying, Hey, do I have, am I giving Biden uh, Obama some respect? No, you know, I would have respect if, if Obama said, you know what? I just don't think I want to lend my name to the stuff the Democrat party is doing, but he still goes out there and does that. Um, here's a, here's a, uh, here's a tweet from, uh, or a quote from uh, Re- Representative Tim Ryan, Democrat of Ohio, who's in a who's in a tight U.S. Senate race. Um, we have not asked the President Biden or VP Harris to campaign in Ohio, and we have no plans to do so. So, why is that? Why is that? With Democrats trying to hold on in November, it's Buttigieg who's in demand on the campaign trail. Why are candidates picking Pete over Kamala after talking to several campaign aides? CNN reported. Some campaign operatives admit with a note of embarrassment they've been reluctant to invite Harris out on for fear that 
that would bring scrutiny from Republicans who monitor every word she says. The timing of this story is interesting because this week Kamala Harris hired yet another new speechwriter, her third one since taking the taking office. Uh, replaces Megan Grube, who left her job after three months. Maybe it's because of what the vice president did with her work. The United States shares a very important relationship, which is an alliance with the Republic of North Korea. When we talk about the children of the community, they are a children of the community. The significance of the passage of time. So when you think about it, there is great significance to the passage of time. You need to get to go and need to be able to get where you need to go to do the work and get home. Our world is increasingly more interconnected and interdependent, which is why we will work together and continue to work together to address these issues, to tackle these challenges, and to work together as we continue to work operating from the new norms, rules, and agreements that we will convene to work together on. Yeah. I would be if I was if I wrote if I wrote some of her words, I'd be really proud to tell everybody, hey, I write Kamala Harris's speeches and everyone would go, really? You wrote that? Why don't you tell her to in, why don't you infuse some intelligence into her into her uh, speeches? Or maybe you need a teleprompter. Maybe that would keep her more on task so she could just read it. Say, hey, don't veer from teleprompter. Don't don't start ad libbing, because when you ad lib, you just embarrass us all. I mean, that's uh, that's that's pretty darn scary, pretty darn scary. So we'll see what happens on uh, Tuesday, November 8th. Make sure that you uh, you go out and vote and make sure that you uh, you vote Republican on everything. You say, hey, I don't know who these people are. Some of these things I'm voting for judges and I'm voting for assembly people. And uh, I talked to a friend of mine who's running for mayor of Moreno Valley, uh, Jaime Hurtado. And he goes, I say, hey, are you going to win? He goes, oh, yeah, we're going to I'm going to win. How do you know? How do you how does anybody know what's going on? Because it's hard to it's hard to, you know, you vote for who, you know, or who you see the most signs of. But how do you know? It's just you're not seeing anybody campaign. Aja Smith, who's running for uh, for Congress in the 39th district against Mark Takano for the third time in a row. I haven't seen anything out there for her. You know, she was fundraising for for uh, for several years. At, well, for two years after the after that happened, and I'm not seeing any. I'm not seeing anything from Takano, and I'm not seeing anything from Aja Smith. And I'm going to vote for Aja Smith. She's a friend of mine, but I'm looking at say, hey, are you really campaigning this time? Does anybody see anybody campaigning? You know, if if you if you look hard, there's a few few little local debates going on. But I have a ton of people sending me texts. Say, hey, send me a copy of your ballot so I know how to how to vote. Here's how you vote. Um, you vote no on every proposition because every single one of them is just getting laws to to spend more money of our tax money. Um, so vote no on all of them, and on every on every uh, office, vote for the Republican. And you say, well, what if I don't even know these people? Why am I voting for them? Because we need to have a Republican majority to turn the world, to turn the state around, to turn this country around. As long as the Democrats, the Democrats are are more are more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're sneaky. They're more sneaky. 
They're going to try and steal this election. They know how they know how to ballot harvest more. They know how to get people to hand them their ballots not filled out. They know how to go door to door with the people that aren't really involved and say, hey, you know what? I'll buy you. I'll give you a five dollar Starbucks gift card if you just uh, if you know if you're not going to vote, we'll just vote it for you. Sure, here's a five dollar Starbucks gift gift card, and they get all that money they're raising, and that's how they spend it. And the Republicans, Republicans are too professional. They're too professional and too dignified to spend the time being uh, being organized and actually actually play uh, beat the Democrats at their own game. So, but they are our only hope. They're our only hope in uh, in two weeks. So vote, get out there, vote Republican. Every single candidate, if it's got an R next to his name, I think there's a couple of offices that have uh, two Democrats. And I wonder what's going on with the senator. You got two people. Two, one Republican and one Democrat for both Senate seats. Somehow, I just don't think that was thought through right. So we're gonna we're gonna vote for the Republican who's gonna take one of them, and I'm not sure what they're gonna do with the second one. What if he wins both of them? You can't be two Senate. Is he gonna get two votes, or we're gonna spend a whole ton of money on special election? Maybe California should have said, "Hey, you can run for one or the other." And maybe we shouldn't have open elections where where we end up with uh, two Democrats or two Republicans. Um, we never end up with two Republicans in California. It's usually two Democrats or maybe, as we did this time, we have a, one of each. So anyway, so pay attention to what you're doing. Get out those ballots. Vote them. Uh, don't don't uh, you know drop them at a drop them at a at a polling center, not at some miscellaneous drop box. Get out there and let's turn this country around on Tuesday the eighth. Anyway, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week.